Previously on the Simply Human podcast. Yeah, Nick, naked rear end. <laughs> He's just gonna like just let her rip, and <laughs> instead of just air coming out, this little like torpedo uh, turd <laughs> shoots, shoots, <laughs> shoots <laughs> onto the and, floor. Like, perfect ending on like skid apart on the floor in front of me. It's episode 32 of the Simply Human Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it's exercise physiologist, Dr. Mike T. Nelson. Then it's another edition of the Humans Being Human segment with Drs. Mandy and Denny Warren, and we'll wrap up with our Simply Human Tip of the Week. How are you, Rick? I am awesome. How are you? I'm good. And just, we hadn't mentioned this in a while, but the previously on the Simply Human podcast is is the great Anna Vicino uh, from, from the Angriest Trainer podcast, Vinny Tortorich. Uh, we had them on a few episodes ago, and uh, she did that for us. And that also, in the middle of the show, you'll hear the previously on the Simply... Is, or, no, 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 you're listening to... You're right, right. Couple um, stingers, and uh, she provided those free charge. She's actually, from my understanding, she's a very well-known voiceover uh, person. So uh, she saved us a ton of money because yes. if we would have had to like contract her and pay her for like that uh, forty-five seconds of work, it would have been like thousands of dollars. And as Americans, we love free stuff. So <laughs> yes. And speaking of loving free stuff, Vibram Five Finger lawsuit. Ah, yes. Let us get into this because I sent you this link when I saw it, and I have. You know, I, I'm kind of open to either side of it. I don't really know much about it, but uh, I know you're five fingers, man. The last, uh, the, I do have, first... I have, I actually have ten fingers, but uh, oh, I'm ten oh, fingers. Very man. clever. Yeah, yeah. The uh, you have eleven fingers if you don't count that one that had to be surgically removed. But uh, <laughs> the first time I ever saw someone wearing those in public was when me and you and our other buddy went to when the Rangers, the Rangers were in the World yes. Series. Yes, it was me, wasn't it? I was wearing. And I hadn't them. seen you in probably at that point. It had been probably like you know, probably five or six years maybe and uh we were catching up and i was like oh hey uh what the hell are you wearing on your feet what are those why are you wearing gloves on you're your not feet? sitting you're like, with oh, us man, are oh, you? Man, oh, look. and everyone was staring at you uh and looking at you like you're an idiot and you didn't care you were a proud idiot and then i over time i started noticing lots of people wearing those yeah. but uh i know you're a five fingers guy yeah. what's the deal with okay this? i don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this apparently uh, but but i'll just give you my my short thoughts apparently it, and by now if you haven't heard about it just google it but um because, yeah, we're recording this on the, this it, episode like maybe like a week before it actually hits. Right. So by the time this actually right. goes down on iTunes, it, I'm sure everyone will have heard it. Yeah, and on uh, on my Facebook page, I've linked to a few. Katie Bowman, who's been on the show, had some great thoughts about it. But it was basically how they, how they marketed it and said that this can fix your spine and will increase foot strength and all this stuff. And these people like wear them and then go running in them and they're, they, hurt, they get stress fractures, they hurt their feet. And it's basically like, like suing McDonald's for the coffee being too hot. I mean, it's like, ugh, it just it drives me crazy. So what, what I'm going to, what I'm going to try to do is like, I, I've come up with a few analogies. It's like, it's like, uh, suing the watch, all watch manufacturers for pointing out and, and making you realize that you're not on time anywhere. Like how is that? How is that the watchmaker's fault? Like, you have responsibility. Like, don't. It, anyway, it, it's just one of these things. Like, just don't don't be stupid about stuff. In honesty, like to me, the way that like they were marketed wasn't necessary. To me, there's a lot of parallels, like with that those ridiculous uh, Skechers shape ups, the yeah. shoes with like oh. the curved bottoms, like rocking ridiculous, uh, uh, like a, a rocking horse. That they told people, if you wear these, you will get in better shape, and your butt will get more tuned right. up. And I saw all these people wearing them that uh, ruining very, their very, their arches. Very clearly wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> but like, also, it just goes against common sense that like, oh, if I wear this goofball shoe, it'll make my 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 butt firmer and. Uh, Honestly, to me, the way that Vibram marketed the Five Fingers uh, wasn't that way. The Skechers made it seem like if you wear these, you will get in better shape, which is counterintuitive. But the, to me, like the way the Five Fingers, it was almost like, hey, these can be a part of an overall uh, – you know, kind of fitness strategy. These right. can fit into you, and they and if you use them correctly, and if 
you know, you, you run them correctly, they can help strengthen your feet. It, to me, it wasn't like the, almost like the sketchers were saying it was a magic pill. Right. But I didn't ever get that feeling off of Vibram that like they're marketing their shoes, the five fingers as the magic pill for doing this. Yeah. Just as, as a piece and a larger overall health strategy. Right. And people that, you know, have been wearing shoes their whole lives and they're, they're 30, mid thirties and then wear these and just go out and run a marathon. Of course, you're going to hurt your foot because you have, yeah. you don't have any strength in your, in your connective tissue and your muscles, the extensors and the flexors in your feet so anyway so that we one of the things i don't even know if this is legal to do uh not that it would be illegal for me but like for vibram to accept this i want to like like fill out the thing and get my get money and then write a check to vibram if it's a 50 dollars check i'm going to write a check to vibram and send it back to him you're talking about getting a refund for your five yeah. fingers and then giving and then it like when you get the refund sending it directly back yeah i mean i'm sure that's legal yeah. you can contribute to whatever you want yeah i just to, don't but... know like how a class action lawsuit or whatever if there's like if you can't i don't know but i like I, and i would like i'm gonna once i find that out i'm gonna tweet that out and see if i can get a few people to do that and and, and make that it... actually like that you know i'm sure there's a ton of people because man those i've never really met anybody that had those five fingers that like didn't swear by them. And so I'm sure there's going to be a groundswell of like kind of, I'm sure there's going to be people who are like me, if I would have bought them, like, yeah. oh, I'll get my refund. I love these shoes, yeah. but I'll take my refund and you know, go to the liquor store. Right. Like, I'm sure there's going to be tons of people who feel strongly about them the way you do, yeah. who may, you know, who knows, that could be a viral thing. Yeah. You get their money and you send it back to, to and Vibram then, and you say thank you. And then it's only, instead of a three point, uh, what was it, like four or five or 3.75 million settlement, it's a 3.74 million dollars <laughs> yes. you'll make your dent yeah one uh thousandth of a million well never mind <laughs> whatever it is okay real quick the humans being human open is still going on we want to hear your stories email the show simply human lifestyle at gmail.com if you think you have a funny or unbelievable or embarrassing five to ten minute story that you would like to share on the simply human podcast that is still going on uh, also, um, we're still doing our review drive on iTunes. Leave us a review, uh, however many stars you feel like we deserve. Uh, and uh, if you feel like writing a paragraph, that would be great. We love to hear the uh, the the constructive criticism or you know what you like, what you dislike. But if you don't want to take all that time, you can just write the word poop or butt because I think that stuff's funny because yeah. I'm a juvenile. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> yes, please. Only those two. Only those four letter words: poop or butt. Um, and thank you for all a lot of new listeners out there. We just like to thank you for subscribing and we'd love to hear feedback. One other quick thing I want to mention, uh, a benefit to uh, our listeners, the nutrients, uh, multivitamin, and that's N U T R E I N C E. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. If you, yeah, cause I can't spell yeah, it. It's crazy. It's, it. it's a weird spelling, but if you put in, there's a, there's a coupon code, which I'll also put in the show notes. It's dollar sign 10, simply human. Uh, you you can get ten dollars off of the of the nutrients multivitamin, which I'm not a huge multivitamin person, but these are great. Uh, I I like them. I I give them my full endorsement because I use them. There's also a coupon code for the new uh, oils that they have uh, started making called Skinny Fat, and one of them is just MCT and coconut oil, and the other one is MCT hmm. coconut and olive oil. And they Ooh. sent me a couple of bottles to, to try out, and it, they're awesome. I've been using they're, them to cook with. They're extra oily. Yeah, and there's also there's going to be a coupon code for those two. I'll put in the show notes uh, at the time of this recording. They ha we hadn't figured it out yet, but uh, yeah. really cool, really cool stuff from the Caltons at CaltonNutrition.com. So uh, w before we get to uh, Mike T. Nelson, I believe you have some exciting news. Your son can now poop. Speaking of poop, your son can poop in a toilet. We have two sons. I have an older one. He just had his sixth birthday, and we have a younger one who turned three in March. And uh, he's been very resistant to uh, going number two in the toilet. And uh, we tried uh, and failed miserably like a month or so ago trying to use – and I know you'd roll your eyes at this. That's why I didn't tell you, but we were doing – we were giving him candy, like M&Ms. If you make a poop in the toilet, you'll get some M&Ms. No, I won't roll my eyes at that. And I didn't want you to judge me. but I uh, won't judge you. Don't say that. <laughs> But that clearly didn't work. And so we we're like, well, maybe he just isn't ready. Uh, we'll, we'll take a step back and we'll come back at it. Well, he's going to like a camp thing this summer and it's, hey, they have to be potty trained to, to like they, they, they don't need to be in, they want them in not in diapers. So like, God, we really got to hammer this. So my wife actually had this genius plan. They love the movie Planes mm -hmm. and she, they have all these little movie, all these little figurines from planes did you threaten them. to throw him out of a plane if he didn't yes, poop so was <laughs> hey poop 
or die. <laughs> just toss them out without a parachute. No, That's they my have motto these in fighter life. jets, these two pretty cool-looking fighter jets. So she bought them, and she hung them up on the wall, okay. thumbtacked them to the wall of the bathroom, and told the little one, told Ryan, like, hey, you like these? He's like, oh, fighter jet. <laughs> like, hey, Yoda. you want a fighter jet? Poop in the toilet. And I'm not kidding you. He went, okay. And pulled his pants down, got on the toilet, and just took it down. It's funny. And we're like, oh, my God, it was so easy this whole time. And so uh, he did that last night. And then this morning uh, I was playing with him, and he said, can I have the other fighter jet? And I said, no, you got to poop in the toilet first. He went, Okay, and ran to the bathroom and took another dump on the toilet and got a second fire jet. I'm like, wow. So we've been screwing around this whole time with yeah. candies and all. We should have known it was all about toys. Right. Well, it's so, like he's going to get his first job in like corporate America and go poop and like walk into his boss's office and be like, uh, do I get my fighter jet now? That's my one concern is like at some point we're going to run out of stuff to get him. And like, hey, man, there are other benefits to not pooping in your pants. Don't ask Uncle Mark about these, yeah, but like, like there are other benefits of not pooping your pants besides toys. Yeah. But uh, hopefully we're on the right track. So hooray, Ryan, not uh, fouling his shorts constantly anymore. Yes, that that is awesome. Congratulations. Um, hey, uh, actually, someone is at my door, and uh, my wife is breastfeeding, <laughs> and my three-year-old just came in here, uh, speaking of three-year-olds, and said there's someone at the door. But we're just going to let him wait for a second. Um, it's the police. Yeah, I'm being, I'm being, finally, they found me. I'm being taken away. Okay, so let's get to the Mike T. Nelson interview. You can find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Links to the Facebook page and the Simply Human Moms tab, Simply Human Kids tabs, all there. At simplyhuman52 is the Twitter and Instagram account. Uh, you can email the show, simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com or email rick at simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. So without further ado, it is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. We talk about what he talked about at PaleoFX, uh, how to burn fat, why moving is good, what types of movements are best, injuries, bad knees, and heart rate variability. Here's Dr. Nelson. Joining me today on the Simply Human podcast, super excited to have Mike T. Nelson, Doctor Mike T. Nelson, on the show. Yeah, that's right. Who, who I met, yeah, and you know, I met, I met you, Mike, at uh, Paleo FX. Actually, uh, you know, before I realized the level of your expertise, it was kind of the same thing happened to Will Fleming. It's like I'm, I'm hanging out with Will Fleming, and everything's, you know, like we're we're getting along and things are cool. And then like I looked him up, and I was like, this guy's like famous. And that's kind of what happened. That's kind of what happened with you, because you know we're talking and, and you know talking about a lot of things we have in common and things we're interested in. And then I, like I went to your website and did all your stuff, and I was like, God, this, why was this guy talking to me? <laughs> it's like, so Mike is you know you have a really interesting story. You spent more than a decade of your life learning how the human body works. You've got a PhD in exercise physiology. You've got a BA in natural science and MS in mechanical engineering. He's an adjunct professor, a member of the American College of Sports Medicine, uh, just a, a, a plethora of knowledge. So welcome, Mike T. Nelson, to the Simply Human podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it was awesome to meet you at Paleo Effects, and I had a great time. And yeah, thank you very much for having me on here. Cool. Okay, so if you'll just kind of start off and, and tell us your background, sort of where you where you started and how you got to where you are today, including the uh, the like seemingly like forty plus years that you've spent in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife's laughing. Yeah, in the background. <laughs> yeah, she's um, yeah, she's like a yeah, it's actually half relatively accurate. I was doing a seminar up in Canada like a couple months ago, and someone was asking me for more explicit info on my my background and stuff, and. At one point, I, I said, well, you know, I spent like a quarter of a million dollars on education. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, well, if you're, you know, in school for 18 years, it tends yeah. to happen. Well, so, weren't you like like uh, a week away from finishing something, and then you were like, nah, I'm going to start all over? <laughs> pretty much. I started doing a Bachelor of Arts in Natural Science at St. Scholastica in Duluth, Minnesota, because I always loved physiology. I've been reading physiology for, you know, a long time, since like ninth grade of high school. And, but I didn't know at that time what, you know, I didn't know what physiologists did unless teach, you know. Right. And I also enjoyed engineering. I used to take stuff apart and attempt to put it back together, though I never got it back together again. <laughs> um, so someone's like, well, you should, you should go into engineering. And there's this new thing at the time, this is like the early 90s, you know, called biomedical engineering. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I... Did my Bachelor of Arts there, minor in chemistry, and what was cool there is I got to take 
anatomy and physiology using actual human cadavers as part of an undergrad program, which is like one of only, at that time, I think three institutions in the U.S. that you could do that as an undergrad. And they got new cadavers, you know, like every quarter. So we didn't get to dissect them at that point, but we got to work on them and stuff. So I did that and then went up to Michigan Tech up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, that piece of land that people forgets above Wisconsin that <laughs> almost should be part of Canada anyway. And I started doing that. I was like, oh, I'm just going to get a you know Bachelor's of Science in Mechanical Engineering. Started doing that and they're like, well, you know, if you stay for another year and a half, you know, you can get your master's. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, that was kind of a lie. It was more like two and a half yeah. extra years. Um, so I was there for four and a half years, got done, was almost eight years full time at that point. Said, no, there's no way. I'm, I'm never going back to school. I don't want to look at any of this stuff. And started working for a medical device company. And about two years later, they're like, well, if you take classes, we'll pay for them. I'm like, oh, cool. It, it's, like, it's like the person at mile 20 of a marathon going, hey, there's only one more mile to go. And you're like, yeah, I could do that. And then like, you get to the mile and you're like, this is not a mile. This is way more than a mile. Yeah. So I just started taking advanced physiology classes through the med school there basically just for fun. you know. And I was like, hey, this is cool. And met a guy there and he's like, well, you know, you should go into the, the biomedical engineering program. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, so I applied for the PhD program, which, funny story on that, it took me a year and a half to get in, and I kept calling them, and they would never give me an answer. So I had to go and, you know, take all the prereqs, the GRE, which I walked in and took, which was a mistake. Because um, they're like, well, we don't use GRE that heavily because, you know, you have an actual master's degree, we know your background and stuff. So I just, just walk in and take it. I'm like, okay. So... <laughs> Idiot me, I, I literally walked into the center one day, took the GRE, and they give you the electronic score, but not the verbal score at the end. They mail your score in the mail, and I sent it to someone, and I said, is this like a good GRE score or bad? I don't even know. And they're like, yeah, that's not really all that great. It wasn't horrible, but so I finally got in front of the guy who made admissions to grad school. And I literally started camping outside the dude's office because he wouldn't answer my emails. <laughs> so I'd show up and I'd just wait for him to show up. So he finally shows up one day, sits down. I said, you know, can I get a few minutes of your time? He's like, yeah. And I said, you know, hand him application, can't find it. He's like, all right. Well, I don't know where it is. And at this point, I'm thinking, I don't have anything to lose. And for whatever reason... I, this guy had piles of papers. Like you could barely see the guy through the piles of papers and stuff on his desk. And I sarcastically said, "Maybe it's in that purple folder that's buried on the corner of your desk." And it was. He pulls it open. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so he gives me a bad time about how my math score for the GRE is like the lowest I've ever seen, and my <laughs> verbal and vocab are like off the chart. So oh, that's funny. So anyway. He finally lets me in. I get all the way through that except for two classes. Decide I didn't want to do it because I had to sit through an MRI class from hell. But I knew I was screwed because I'm in there with PhDs in electrical engineering and physics. And on day three, the professor goes, and now we're going to calculate all the equations that are used in MRIs from scratch. I'm going, oh, you got to be freaking kidding me. So I left that, Peace ran over out. to the physiology department. Oddly enough, on day one of there, which meant I had to start all the way over from ground zero, Jeez. I did it to avoid math. <laughs> Literally, sit down, and the first meeting, my advisor goes, hey, we have these two new projects on metabolic flexibility and heart rate variability, and we need someone with a math background to do one. And he's looking around the table at everyone and gets to me. I'm sitting on the end. Ah, you, math boy. These are your projects. Yeah, you're like, I'm here to not do math. And I'm going, you got to be freaking kidding me. I came over here to avoid math. I'm like, well, I get more math. So, yeah, so that was like eight years ago. And here you and, are. Yeah. Yeah. Finished that. And I actually officially walked through ceremony tomorrow. Actually. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That's pretty and, exciting. Yeah, so this is actually going to uh, post on the 21st, uh, oh, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so, yeah, so yeah. A week, it'll be a week, a week old. So... Um, you know, there, as people are listening to this show, uh, linearly, my co-host and I just, you know, sort of introed you 
Yeah, we did. We recorded yesterday, and I listed off all this stuff that we talk about. So I need to make sure that we talk about the stuff that I said we were going to talk about before I recorded. It's like a it's like a, a, a break in the time continuum. It's crazy. <laughs> so okay, so got your background. Why why is moving good? Why is being under load a a positive thing? Yeah, the simplest answer is that your body is constantly adapting. So we get all these things that people are like, oh, my hip flexors are so tight. My <laughs> hips are so tight. Why is that? Like, because you sit on your ass for 10 hours a day. What did you expect would happen? Right, you know, and, right. it's, it, and it's, not, it's not necessarily a bad thing per se. It's not good for performance, but it's just your body adapting to that specific circumstance. Um, to me, that is a good thing, right? That means right. that your body is still able to adapt. Yeah. So then the better question is, well, what do we want it to adapt to? You know, do you want to walk around all day looking like you sat in a chair for 10 hours? You know, or do you want to look like some, you know, semblance of better human movement? And I had a whole bunch of all sorts of horrible stuff I've done to my body from busted up ankle snowboarding, ripped out right shoulder from broom ball, dislocated left shoulder, scoliosis, poor vision, all kinds of crap. And I went and I've done all sorts of quote-unquote, I guess you could say, corrective stuff. And the thing that made the biggest change in a more lasting situation was very specific, um, heavier loading uh, exercises, which is what a lot of people would say messes people up. Right. But, so I think of it as a deadlift, right? So the heavy deadlift has a potential to make you move and perform much better. Consequently, it also has a potential to really screw you up if you don't do it right or your body doesn't like that particular movement. Right. right. So I found that heavier loads, sometimes done at speed, are a pretty massive stimulus to the body to adapt to that um, direction. Right. So if you look at just the hips, right. So if you're sitting a lot of times, and let's say we're going to do, I don't know, we'll just pick a heavy deadlift that's pretty good speed. Right. So at the very top of that deadlift you're actually in the opposite position. You are seated, and you have to create force and momentum and everything to get to that position. Right. So you have to have the hamstrings work. You have to have the glutes work, You know, assuming that your deadlift looks good, not like some you know pooping dog or something like that, <laughs> right. right? So loading, when it's done correctly, and the response from your body is good, I find it is actually extremely corrective. Right. So yeah, you mentioned uh, you know so, like the corrective stuff. So I guess that kind of leads to the question: What types of movements are the are the best ways to move? Like, what what is the the best healthiest way to move? Yeah, a simple answer is whatever your body likes. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Which is a a dramatic oversimplification, right? So I did a blog post I don't know quite a while ago, and I'm like, so if all the exercise you did, if you just made sure that your body liked that movement, right? So when you finish the movement, you could actually move better, whether you assess that via speed created on the movement or a gait analysis or just range of motion testing or however you assess that. If every exercise you did made you better, in essence, every exercise is then corrective. Right. If every exercise is corrective, then there really isn't any corrective exercise. This is all exercise that makes you better. Right. right? Yeah. So like it's like moving in a way that would smash your knee into a steel pole. Your body doesn't like that. Right. But your body likes walking. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. like the, the the movement patterns uh, that I I believe you know resemble sort of the early man or how how we're designed to move is is, is moving slow a lot, being under load. Uh, and doing like short, intense bursts of you know metabolic conditioning type stuff is that is that yep. sort of what you recommend? No, I, w I would totally agree. And I mean, even the clients I have that are more, I guess you could say, physique based, whether it's a you know, figure competitor or natural bodybuilder or whatever. If you were to look at most of their training, the training that I have them do that I find just what I've done is works the best is all performance based. Right, so a typical template for one of the guys I worked with was, you know, some high intensity stuff in the off season, one to two times a week, lots of, in his case, volume for you know squat, bench, deadlift, you know, some single movements, 
Um, a lot of low intensity walking. So a lot of times I monitor guys with pedometers, you know, get X amount of steps per day. I don't care when, I don't care how, just, you know, make it low intensity, walk around, park farther away, do whatever you want. Um, so even from a physique standpoint, I find that having to be almost more performance based with the parameters that you specified, I totally agree with. Cool. Now, as, as far as walking goes, you know, uh, I, I've started, uh wearing the Fitbit and I even got like a, a little $5 pedometer just to see like yeah. how accurate it is just, and it's not, you know, people think, Oh, I, I'm going to burn X amount of calories. If I take X amount of steps, like yeah. it's not about calorie burning. It's just about, about being in an upright position, having gravity loading on your skeletal system and your, and your muscles. And one thing that I've been doing, I actually did it this morning. Uh, walk my dog with a 20 pound weight vest on, uh, yeah. is that ever something that you recommend for people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used to do that a fair amount. And I can get away with it, like, in the neighborhood I'm at. But I had this little plan at one point to wear a weight vest all the time just because I figured it's an easier way to, to burn excess calories. Um, it's okay in the winter if you can wear a sweatshirt over it. Yeah, but I... otherwise, you look like a, with the next vest, you look like a Unabomber. And yeah, yeah. Or, or like a special ops guy. It's like, yeah, why is this nothing... army ranger like traipsing through the neighborhood? Right. Nothing good becomes of that part. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. I, after I was going to write an article at some point called like the five reasons to go for a walk in the morning. You know, everything from simple movement, burn more calories. You know, yeah, you will. Um, you actually specifically use more fat if it's fasted. Right. Now, people misinterpret that to say, oh, well, if I just get up and walk 10 minutes a day, I'm going to be super lean in four weeks. Right. Well, no. Right. I mean, it's not overall that huge of a percentage. Um, but I find people recover faster. Um, in the morning, too, I talked to uh, Dan Party about this. I'm sure you've talked to. Yeah, actually, he's the, re he's the reason I, I got a Fitbit. <laughs> oh, I was, nice. was going to yeah. mention his name. Like we've been, we've been talking. He's going to be on the show in a, in a month or two. Oh, and, cool and we've, we've been talking back and forth. We've uh, done a couple of Google uh, talks where we're. I'm, I'm that he's got that human OS, uh, you know, corporate yep. wellness thing that I'm I'm working on him with a little bit. So m more to come on that later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So he'll go into all the even ask him about the anchoring of circadian rhythms in the morning and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I think that there's a lot of benefits. I usually find people just feel better. Their ability to concentrate is better. And it makes sense, right? Because I, I figured this out when I was doing my, my PhD and working three other jobs. And I mean, a lot of the stuff I did was just seated. You know, yeah, I exercise, you know, most every day, five, six days a week, because I have a you know place I just go right into my garage and exercise. But my body composition was kind of crappy. I didn't feel very good. My left hip started bugging me. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I just, I actually bought a, a basis, but it doesn't matter what you use, right. and just started tracking movement, the first day I put it on, I tried really hard not to look at it at all during the day. I was working at home. I didn't have it on during exercise. Um, and at the end of the day, I had 573 steps. Oh, man. Which, and if you don't track. That's like a cardiac transplant patient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you don't track, I mean, that you'll, you'll, you'll take 500 steps just going to the bathroom every day. <laughs> yeah. It's like walking to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, what I realized was I never went outside. I mean, I didn't have it on training. But if you're in a, a closed environment or a small environment, you just physically don't move that much no matter how much you try right because everything's right next to you right. you don't have to go that far right so yeah I, I that was like a big kick to the nuts yeah so. yeah well actually <laughs> i'm i'm on a streak of uh as of the recording of this on the, what is this the 14th um i've done eight straight days of ten thousand steps or more wow that's awesome yeah so and it's like it's funny like with kids it's a lot easier like the first day i wore it i was thinking oh, i'm gonna have to like go on a a super long walk at the end of the day to like get all my steps in and you know you with with kids and you're walking this way and you're walking back and making yeah. sure they're getting dressed and then you're coming in here to do breakfast and then you're taking them into school and then you're going to work and then all stuff like at the end of the day i had like 9500 steps that first day i was like oh, oh that's awesome cool that was easy and so, but like but i've been you know i try to do uh, go on a walk at least once a day 
uh, you know, the, the, my kids and I will all go on walk, a walk together, uh, try to do that at least once a day. You know, I, I got a garden in the backyard and that, you know, you rack up steps, you know, doing yep. that kind of stuff. And just, it's just about moving throughout the day. And that's, that's one thing that I'm really big on is not just sitting all day and then going and working out for 30 minutes. Like that is not yeah. a natural movement pattern. And your body is not designed to adapt to that kind of movement. So we're, we're designed to move all day. Like I haven't sat down yet today. Like I have, I got, have got out of bed and since I've got out of bed, I have not sat down. Uh, and I try to do that. Like the only, you know, I'm going to get in my car in a minute. And I, I wish there was like some sort of car they would build that is like a standing uh, car. Like how would that be any less safe? Would it be less safe? I don't know. Um, that would be, I'm going to figure that out. Um, like a Segway with just a big metal box around it. Yeah, that sounds really dangerous. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you mentioned burning fat a, a while ago. And I want to ask you, you know, obviously, other than, you know, being either an adolescent or uh, supplementing with uh, human growth hormone, what are the best ways to, to build muscle and burn fat? Like if you're trying to get strong and burn fat at the same time, I know there's some some gray area in there, like you have to sort of pick your goal. Like if you want to really be lean, you're yeah. going to have to sacrifice some strength. And if you want to really be strong, you're going to have to sacrifice some leanness. But what is like that happy medium in there? And how, what are the best ways to, to burn fat? Yeah, so in my opinion, the, the best way is kind of what you said, to pick a goal to drive the stimulus in that direction. So if you look at just a just a really little bit of basic physiology that, that tends to get missed a lot. If we go in and we pull out specific fibers and look at them, we have our aerobic fibers, right? So aerobic, by definition, uses oxygen. Right, type so 1, fiber, right. Yep, so type 1 fibers are actually going to be smaller because oxygen has to diffuse across them. I just did a video for my class yeah, the other day on which, this. And also, I just read, like, if, if you do massive amounts of, of, like, oxidative exercise, like marathon running and stuff, the reason that it's hard to build muscle in that state is because you're using so much oxygen that it, the muscles want to be smaller so the oxygen can get to it easier. Is that right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. So the aerobic fibers use oxygen. They're smaller in diameter because you can model it via the, it's called the Krogh cylinder model. But in essence, oxygen has to passively diffuse into the fiber. The fiber gets too big, right? Oxygen can't make it right. all the way into the fiber, so stuff would die. And then the main fuel for that is actually fat. So if you look at the opposite end of the spectrum, right? So strength, right? Your type 2 fibers and all the variants, they're much bigger because they're anaerobic. Right. They don't need to use any oxygen at all. So fiber can be bigger because you don't give a rat's about any oxygen having to diffuse across it right and bigger fiber bigger cross-sectional area better force output and by virtue of looking at both of those next to each other and that process is primarily carbohydrate driven so all your factors are directly opposites of each other right one uses oxygen one uses fat small fiber anaerobic large fiber no oxygen used uses carbohydrates right so this comes into, in the literature, they call it interference effect. If you have someone who's untrained, yeah, they can get better at both, probably simultaneously, and it's not that big of a deal. As they become more and more trained, then it gets pretty messy. Right. So, so what I have people do in, quote-unquote, the real world, <laughs> is I have them pick a specific goal for that training session. So if your goal is to do strength training, to me, you should track your performance, making sure you're doing more volume, density, and intensity, and you should do everything possible to push all those adaptations as far as you can in that direction. Right. So we know the main fuel is carbohydrates, so I have people take in protein and carbohydrates uh, before, after, if it's a really long, advanced person, sometimes even during because I want insulin levels to also be higher. Insulin is like a fuel selector switch. High levels of insulin push the body to use more carbs. Low levels of insulin push it to use more fat. Right. So I want a carbohydrate, anaerobic strength adaptation as much as possible. The phosphagen pathway, <laughs> right, right. Uh, yep, yep, and so your, your very short pathway is uh, phosphagen, which is a few seconds, yep. Yeah, then you have so, your, your, your slow or your fast glycolysis and then your slow glycolysis. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. up on the literature. 
Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> um, so my thought being, do that on one day, and then 24, maybe even 48 hours later, um, either do that again or do the opposite. So if you look at a template for most guys I have, it's three to four days of pretty heavy, intense weight training-ish. Can be low reps, can be some more volume, hypertrophy stuff. Right. And then their quote-unquote off or recovery day is kind of like an aerobic base type work. So heart rate of you know 120 to 140-ish, rather low, right. um, semi-fasted, meaning no carbohydrates or even really protein usually before training. Um, so I'm trying to drive insulin levels a little bit lower. And the goal there is just <clears throat> do some movement, have it be kind of a continuous, moderate heart rate, not real hard. Um, so stuff I have people do, you know, sledgehammer strikes that are light, you know, with alternating overhead bodyweight squats or something. For right? how long? Like how long is this, is this workout last? Usually 20 to 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah, and there's varying degrees of literature about cardiac adaptations and thresholds and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but what I find is the goal on that day is to upregulate all the aerobic processes as much as possible. To burn fat. And yeah, to, to use to tap into people yeah. feel better. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what you're saying is to to tap into that oxidative system, which uses the majority of its fuel from fat. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think the misnomer is people are like, oh. Well, you're trying to do low-intensity cardio to burn more fat, and well, all the literature shows that high intensity is far superior to that. And hmm. they're actually correct. But I think the, the part that you're missing is I'm actually trying to build up that entire system right. to be better. Right. So when you look at weight training, if you do, let's say, uh, a set of 10 reps on front squats, your recovery period during that is all aerobic-based. Right. So a lot of times I think people's anaerobic work, especially for density and kind of hypertrophy work, is limited if they have a very poor aerobic base. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So like, like, would you recommend any sort of, you know, like 30 second intervals with, you know, three times the recovery for like a 10 minute or 12 minute deal just to completely exhaust, you know, all your glycogen? I mean, is that or... or like for fat uh, burning? Or I fat have is... done that kind of stuff, but I usually put that actually on their weight training type days. Yeah, yeah, okay. So if I have people do intervals, my goal is actually, again, it's performance-based. So a lot of the interval stuff I do with people, they look at me kind of funny because the rest periods are usually complete rest. Right. Right, so do an interval, you know, if I have luxury of timing it, even better, and then basically just wait as long as you need to fully recover do yeah. that amount of work again right right so if i'm doing light farmers bar stuff right so i'm like maybe 100 pounds in each hand and i'm going to go 200 300 feet at once i'm going to go at a pretty good pace and i'm going to rest as long as i need in order to be able to complete that amount of work again right right i want to keep the work quality as high as possible and i will sacrifice um in essence, cutting the time in order to do that. And it, ironically, what I've seen is that actually helps people get better at density, so volume divided by time, faster than then just forcing short rest periods all the time. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about your paleo FX talk real quick. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in the heart rate variability. I know we we talked to Eva T a few episodes ago, actually two episodes oh, ago. Oh, cool! Yeah. Awesome. And then she she's been on the show twice now. And actually, we talked about you on episode 29. Oh, I gotta uh, go listen to yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, well, I just yeah, I said you know I'm gonna have you know Mike T is gonna be on, and obviously we're gonna talk to him more about heart rate variability. And actually, that right around that time, it was like after paleo FX, it was like the end of April. I I, I hadn't checked in a while, and I checked, and it was like 64, which is the lowest that it had ever been. So I was like, okay, I just need to oh, wow. chill out. Well, it's back up. Like yesterday was 90. Two days ago was 91. Yesterday was 95. Wow, that's really uh, And high. I used the i the athlete at my yeah. So so is that seated? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's right when I wake up, and like I'll I'll check my pulse. Like I'll, I do like a breathing exercise while I'm testing, just to try to slow my pulse down as much as possible. Um, I've, I just have found that that I don't know. It's just kind of like it's like a little minute mini meditation kind of deal. Mm -hmm. um, but sort of talk about 
real quickly, just sort of bullet point your paleo effects talk. Yeah, so my talk at paleo effects was two things. One, looking at the stimulus, which we just talked about, right? So making sure that you're tracking the stimulus that you apply to your body in the form of overload, which for most weight training people is going to be volume that you do, density, right? Volume divided by time, and then intensity, so how much weight you actually lifted. Because that is by far the biggest thing. If you didn't do anything else and you only track that, you can back calculate recovery, you can back calculate <coughs> all sorts of stuff from there. Right. Um, so what you want is to look at the stimulus and then the response. So stimulus is going to be your overload. The response, obviously, how your training went. But I also find that heart rate variability works very well to determine the response. So heart rate variability, for people who aren't too familiar, it's a way to determine the status of the autonomic nervous system. So the parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. Sympathetic, which is the fight, flight, or faint. It's actually a, a goat that faints when it gets stressed. It's a fainting goat. <laughs> that, those, are, <laughs> no, those are so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a client who that she got so stressed out that that was her response. Oh, my God. She would go look at weight training stuff, and she would literally start getting dizzy and almost would pass out. <laughs> so, That's awesome. But, so I find that HRV is, initially when I started using it, I, I think it's been sold as it's a way to predict your performance. And I think there is some merit with that with aerobically trained athletes. I haven't found that for anaerobic strength-based athletes, it's super good at prediction. Right. It's more it, of a of what's happened in the past. Right. 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 So I use the long-term average and just monitor that and see what your body thought of the last session. Right. right. So a really simple template for people once they have three to four weeks of HRV data is I'll put them on one day, all strength-based, you know, very rarely above three to four reps, complete rest, you know, pretty intense-based, right, percentage of one rep max. Right. And then I will measure their HRV the next morning and even probably the day after that because um, I want to see what do their body think of the strength session. And most of the time, their HRV will actually drop with a few freaks where it doesn't. Right. And then I'll put them on a hypertrophy day, so I'll say, all right, you know, the old school sort of, you know, Delorme, three sets of 10, you know, reps from, you know, 10 to 15 reps, all that kind of stuff, and then see what their HRV response. And most people, their HRV will be not dropping quite as much. Right. So, so it gives me an idea of what the response of their system is. And like what you were saying with your number long-term, I'll then track the number and see how they're responding, right? So if you've got a, an athlete that's going to do CrossFit games or whatever big activity, strongman competition, whatever, ideally, I want their HRV to be slightly going up and a little bit higher before an extremely stressful event. Right. I've just found that their performance tends to be better and the cost of doing that event doesn't seem to be as high. Right. So I think it's useful for even old school periodization, that type of thing too. And I did an experiment, I didn't talk about this there, but where I did only strength training stuff. Because for a while, like last summer, I'm like, oh, this stupid HRV is trying to tell me how to train. Screw that. What if I just go to strength training all the time? Ah! You know. <laughs> and I did that, and after about two weeks, I had to start rotating exercises because the joint pain got to be so bad. So, <laughs> I rotated about like 13 different exercises. I don't think I ever did more than four reps. And I actually I got a lot stronger. But after about the fourth week, man, I started feeling just worse and worse. Yeah. I, you know, by the fifth week, I felt like utter dog crap. <laughs> I was, you know, drinking like four cups of coffee to get through the day. Yeah. If I didn't sleep nine and a half hours at night, I felt just wrecked the next day. And after like six weeks, I finally just stopped because I felt like I was just going to get super sick. Um, the whole time I did get stronger and my HRV just dropped like a stone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do find that there's a specific level that varies for everybody where they feel pretty good. Like for me, yeah, if I'm in like the mid to upper seventies, I feel actually pretty good. If I start getting lower than seventies, I start getting in the sixties all the time. 
I'm not feeling very good, and everything just starts trending down right yeah. after that. Yeah, no, that 95 I got yesterday was one of my. That's like, I think that might have even been my all-time high, uh, which yeah. I was excited about. And it's and on on getting less sleep as it's as it's getting the days are getting longer. I'm I was kind of worried because I'm getting about like you know seven hours or maybe even a little bit less of sleep a night. Which, yeah, and and I was kind of worried about that, but that's a good sign that my heart rate variability is good. It's it's you know, and I'm not tired. I'm not you know, I just wake up. And I'm ready to go, and I'm like, oh, it's it's six o'clock. I can't wake up yet. I've only gotten six six, six hours and forty five minutes of sleep. So, but yeah, yeah that's a higher quality sleep that makes a massive yeah. difference too. Right. And you can, you know, everyone's sleep thing will change a little bit, but um, yeah, yeah, sleep quality is huge for that. Cool. Oh well, hey, we are we are out of time, but there's still two things I need to ask you because I said we were going to talk about. Them. Uh, yeah, no, and just I and got a couple. Yeah, another like tennis or so. Okay, minutes, so cool. we're all right. Okay, cool. Well, I've got uh, uh, a buddy who you know, collegiate football player whose shoulders he's had he's had you know shoulder surgeries on both shoulders. So when I talk about him getting under load, as far as you know, doing presses, bench press, things like that, it's just like it's not going to happen. Or, or other other people that have you know maybe have blown out their knees. So if people have some sort of major joint injury or, or uh, degeneration or something what are some things how how can you still get that load adaptation by if like if you can't do squats or if you can't do a shoulder press yeah that's a good question the the simplest way is to find whatever movement they can do that's loaded that's not painful so I look at it from two things right so from the acute response have them do anything that is not painful and that a lot of times ends up being more asymmetric type loading. So I've worked with a fair amount of people who have um, low back pain, especially can't, you know, deadlift at all. But oddly enough, if I have them do a Jefferson deadlift or a straddle deadlift, a lot of times they can do that without any pain at all. And they do that for a period of time and, you know, in a lot of the cases, their low back pain goes away. It's like, oh, weird. so I find that a lot of odd-looking asymmetric exercises tend to be able to be done um, okay. Yeah. So one example is a guy who had knee pain and also shoulder pain. So his pressing was from a split stance, like a lunge stance, with only one arm. And he did that for quite a while, and oh, his pressing huh. you know, got better, and eventually his pain actually kind of went away. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what you said about moving in ways your body likes. I mean, if, you're, if yeah. your shoulder's injured, find a way that it, where it doesn't hurt, which is a pretty good indication that your body likes that movement. It's like you yeah. know, running barefoot. You're going you're gonna to instantly start moving and landing in ways that doesn't hurt because you, your feet are these corrective devices. I guess that, that goes with your whole body, these proprioceptors and your... Uh, uh, your GTOs and all these things that are, that you've got in your body that are giving you feedback uh, that they're not they're not just on the bottoms of your feet, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're they're everywhere, and you can get into you know stuff about trying to change proprioceptive input, which I've kind of done a little bit, which I got from the Z Health stuff, from you know eye movements and vestibular inputs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the other thing too that works amazingly well, uh, which I initially learned about in Z Health actually is looking at the opposite joint. So I worked with a natural uh, pro bodybuilder guy who came to me, had really bad left um, shoulder pain. Couldn't really, I think, press much more than a a 20-pound dumbbell without um, pain. So we did a bunch of stuff, and primarily it was his right hip. And it was the opposite function he had lost in his right hip. So... He could no longer really internally rotate his right hip at all and a few other things. So by doing the opposite movement, so I draw a little stickman figure and I go, okay, what movement causes you pain? Okay, so left shoulder, AB, duction, external rotation. Okay? Right. So then I look at the opposite joint. Okay, right hip, opposite side, AD, duction, huh. Inter- internal, internal rotation. rotation. Right. And then a lot of times they do that, and then I find a way of loading that position, so a lot of odd lunge-looking positions. And over time, they're like, wow, my shoulder doesn't hurt as bad now. Huh. That's crazy. And he has been to, man, I think five positions for man, like a year and a half. He had an MRI, 
everything said his his left shoulder looks fine, but he could recreate the pain every single time. Right. So he had pain. It wasn't that his body just made that up. Right. But it wasn't the shoulder that was the source of the pain. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, has anyone ever looked at anything else on your body? He's like, nope. Um, so, yeah, and then fast forward, you know, nine months, he he texted me like a month ago. He was, I think, dumbbell pressing 115s for like, Man. you know, reps of 10 for like an all-time PR. So That's crazy. Yeah, so... The point is, just because you know you're injured doesn't mean that doesn't like give you a pass to say like, well, I can I can be as the healthiest version of myself while not being under load. I mean, it's still yeah, it's it, it, it's across the board good for everybody uh, in, in some way. You can find a find a way, and and then also you know it just shows that your body you know wants to wants to move, wants to be healthy, it will find ways. And, and, and like people, people's injuries, a lot of times low back pain could be an issue of you're wearing high heels all the time or oh, sure. which has nothing to do with your back. You're not wearing high heels on your back or, or you're, you know, I've got like a, a little tendonitis thing on my knee, which I think I figured out is a quad thing. It's not a knee thing. Sure. It's a quad yeah. tightness thing. So I got a, uh, I got this tip yesterday. I got one of those car, car wax buffer things, like a, one of those electronic, uh, you know, car wax things. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm using that as like a, a sort of an aggressive muscle fascia, <laughs> you know, masher, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so it, it works on credit. It's great. Uh, but anyway, um, and I okay. think if that helps initially, my, one of my theories is that it may be from an overload of proprioceptive input to it and may not because of a change in actual fascial tissue. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, Okay. But better is better, right? So who gives a crap? Yeah. Know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And last thing, uh, and it's something that I ask everybody that comes on the Simply Human podcast. It is what is one thing that you enjoy about life, or something you do to make life more enjoyable, and it doesn't have to have anything to do with health or wellness or anything. Well, I guess it it does indirectly, but yeah, I guess it's you know finding what the things that you're passionate about and what what you enjoy. Um, you know, so for, for me, you know, I actually enjoy reading research. I love, you know, talking to, you know, guys like you. And then I would say figuring out how to design your life to do more of that. Right. So, you know, if that means, you know, that's the main reason I run my own business because I can do more of that stuff. And then for me, I also enjoy like kiteboarding as that allows me to get away oddly enough from the things that I enjoy and just to kind of to think but not it's an odd thing because you're attached to a super large um, upside down looking kite and <laughs> you, you still have to concentrate in order to do it even after you've done it for a while right but it's a you know the state of flow right so where you're relaxed but you're in the moment and to me that is very um, relaxing overall and if you can find a way of you know, blending those two things together somehow, even better, right? So I was just in South Padre, Texas, and it was a light wind day, and we're kind of bored. We decided to go out and ride, and so I'm like, hey, I'll wear my lab coat. So I was out kiteboarding in my, my lab coat for fun. <laughs> That's <so>. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, and and finally, I guess uh, I lied. There's one more. What, what do you got yeah. going on, and where can people find you? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, lots of stuff going on, some new projects coming up for fat loss. Um, I do e-classes every once in a while. It's like a five-module thing that walks people through a step-by-step process for more muscle, less fat. Um, they can get a free six-part video series. Just go to www.miketnelson.com. So M-I-K-E-T-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. They just put in their email address, and they'll it'll send them out to them. And so six videos just walks them through, you know, step-by-step. You know, here's the research on this and what to do with it. And, um, yeah, it's been great. Like, one guy emailed me a couple months ago. He just followed the free video series and ended up losing, I think he said he lost, like, 60 pounds yeah, over, yeah. like, six months or something like that. Cool. So, yeah. So that's always pretty cool when you hear stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. And I've actually uh, looked at that quite a bit. When I put the M in my browser, it just immediately pulls up MikeTNelson.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, well, cool, man. Well, I'd love to have you back on sometime, maybe in the fall. Yeah, of course. Uh, lo- love your your brain, and uh, it's a pleasure. I'm just proud to know you and, and to know that the influence that you're having 
uh, in the health and wellness world. So uh, thank you for, for being on the Simply Human podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Thank you, Mike T. Nelson. As you can tell, just uh, didn't take me very long. Uh, I actually went to his talk. I'd never heard of him, and I just I, I was interested in the topic. And about 30 seconds in, I was like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, so so his website, MikeTNelson.com, there's no like periods or dashes or anything, just MikeTNelson.com. Really cool stuff uh, from, from Mike T. No relation to Craig T. We don't think. Well, maybe maybe we asked him about it because I hadn't recorded the interview at the, t- at the time of this recording. Maybe we should call him back and ask him. If yeah. He's yeah, there you go. Hey, yo, if, uh, if I were him, that's why I would intentionally put the T in my name and yeah. have everyone. Yeah, it's something to think about, Coach. One of the greatest shows that everyone. Yes, Dabo. Okay, it is now time for the Humans Being Human segment with our good friends doctors Denny and Mandy Warren a couple of chiropractors up in Arkansas um, and uh, basically the, the point of the story the moral of the story is be careful who you dance in front of <laughs> <laughs> so or, or or make dancing like gestures in front of so here here are the Warrens okay here's a story that we get Mandy hears all the time whenever she sees my my family okay um, when I was in college at Hendrix they have this this party where all the freshman guys and the freshman girls, the freshman guys go from dorm to dorm to all the, the girls' dorms and will serenade the girls. And, and back in the 50s it was started, but now basically what it is, it's a bunch of just dry humping the ground and, and <laughs> pelvic thrusting and just really, you know, dirty stuff. You mean they didn't and, do that um, kind of stuff in the 50s? Surely yeah, they Yeah, it started back in the 50s. Yeah. And uh, it's a tradition that has gone on. At Hendrix, ever since, but um, which is in uh, Arkansas, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah okay, in Arkansas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Me, me, me make that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for our cousins, right? Um, no, my um, my cousin. So at the time when I was in college, I have a, a cousin. Uh, he was probably in junior high, and I don't know why I thought it was a good idea, but I thought I'd teach him the dance that we did. <laughs> and so now he here he is in junior high doing this pelvic thrusting and. And, and humping, <laughs> humping the air, and all this stuff at his junior high dance, and getting kicked out of school. And oh <laughs> no! So you know, I'm just the amazing role model that I am. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. if you ask me, humping random things is the most basest form of humans being human. I yeah. think it is totally human. Yeah, it's totally human. I, I mean, agree. It's it should have embraced his uh, his primal nature and uh, not kicked him out of school. So, well, you know, he's he's embraced it. They threatened to now teach my kids that those dances. So. <laughs> yes, and so so Mandy, you've heard that story uh, many times. Is that uh, every, every time family reunion it every, comes up? <laughs> so, do you get in on the action? Like, do you start humping the air as well, or do you leave that to the guys? <laughs> no. I leave that. <laughs> I feel like she probably occupies like on the side of like the the uh, hand and forehead shaking head role of that <laughs> face, probably face palm. Yeah, well, like that, my wife she's does. So, she's so proud. Yeah. <laughs> well, that actually that story reminds me, uh, uh, Rick. This is a story that we've needed to tell on the humans being human segment for quite some time, and it's another uh, story involving your brother. But uh, we there was a lock in one time at our church. <laughs> when we were growing up and Rob, his brother was like f- three years older than Rick, four years older than me. So he was like a senior and we're all like kind of still in junior high. I think as you were a freshman, Rick, and there's all these like little kids at this thing. And it's probably, what would you say? It was like 10 o'clock at night, like this lock in, there's all this energy. Kids are running around raucous. And the youth minister was like trying to sort of settle everyone down. So he like told. Well, I think he was really just trying to get everyone occupied by one thing, so they could work out some sort of like minor detail or something. Yeah. So try to get everybody in the same room and get them uh, to Focused. all focus on one particular thing, uh, so that they, you know, could do what they were trying to do. Right. So so, so Rob goes up there and is, is like gets everyone's attention. And would Rick? Would you like to tell the joke? Uh, no, I don't remember all the parts of the joke. Okay. I just remember the, 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 the punchline. Punch so well, you go Okay, ahead. so it's like it's like junior high kids, you know. No, it's not even just junior high kids. It's Was junior it high and like younger, ele- like elementary. all the way down to like, uh, okay, well, I guess sixth grade is junior high. So, okay, yeah, yeah sixth grade, mainly sixth and seventh and eighth graders okay. for the most part. And it was a joke having to do with like a German kid who's who said – you know, my dad was, uh, you know, I, I found a, a bike. He's got me a bike for Christmas. I found it like behind the, the shed. 
and then uh the, you know the the uh the russian kid you know there's di- you do the dialects and the whole thing and so the russian kid says oh my dad's got me a bike uh, for christmas too i found it you know up in my attic and then uh, the italian kid says yeah my dad got me a bike too it's, it's stuffed down the front of his pants and uh, and and the other two kids are like, well, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Cause I asked him, hey, Dad, can I have a bike for Christmas?'" He's like, "Yeah, I got your bike ready." And he like he like grabbed himself, like and did the whole thing. And so yeah, this uh, this freshman in college, uh, all these little kids are looking up to him. They're like, "Oh my God!" And like the youth minister looks over right as he does like the uh, the crotch grabbing, like, "I got your bike right here," and they're like, "Oh." My yeah, his God. jaw like did, drops. Did everybody pay attention after that? Yeah, yeah. And so like his jaw, the youth minister's jaw drops. He like goes running up there. Like all the kids are now grabbing their crotches. Running around like, I got your bike right here. Yeah. <laughs> it was complete what? mayhem. Oh, that's awesome. What a church gathering. That was wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so, of course the all the was indeed felt by everyone that night. <laughs> so of course all the kids come home like, how was the lock in? They're all like, I got your bike right here. <laughs> that's awesome. So anyway, all right. Well, thank you for joining us on the Humans Being Human segment that was that was primarily uh, dominated by the uh, I got your bike right here joke. Uh, so <laughs> thanks for listening to our joke. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Awesome, guys. All right. Well, we appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll talk to you all soon. Okay. Sounds great. All Have right. a good one. Bye. Cool. All right. Well, that was, that was good. That was like five minutes. That's perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Nice. Hold on. Now it's not. Uh, I want to stop. Stop. God, you're the king of talking for <laughs> yourself. I know. All right. Yes. Well, it's recording, so it just won't stop. Uh, That's okay. All right. Hey, guys, I really appreciate it. And we'll be in touch via email or whatever. uh, And and we'll have you back on. Maybe sometime like the summer, early fall, um, we can have you all back on. And anything you guys got going on, uh, keep us posted. We'd love to help out, promote you guys however we can. That sounds great. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Doctors Denny and Mandy. We will have links to their uh, website. I believe it's generationshwc.com. I'll have that linked in the show notes. Um, <clears throat> all right, it is now time for the Simply Human Tip of the Week, and it is something you can do right now to be more healthy human. And this is a good one. I like this one because it's it's pretty general, pretty vague, but it 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 really can make you more healthy. And it is have some common sense, people. I have. Uh problems in this arena for sure sometimes because you are my unofficial life coach and i will tell you hey what should i do and you'll tell me and i will like jump full throttle into it instead of like kind of being smart about it and uh, to me a great uh, a great example of this is around this time last year you had convinced me that the best thing for my running form and you know for uh, my injury problems was to go to a more minimalist shoe this is kind of related to the vibram stuff but right. uh, I, I didn't get five fingers but i i started wearing new balance minimus and you told me, Yo, yeah, man, you know, it, it helps your stride, yada, 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 yada. Well, I started reading into it, and I went out running, and I'm used to running like pretty long distances. Well, the first time I went out and ran them, I ran like four miles, and I couldn't walk for like three days <laughs> because I wasn't using a lot of common sense when it came to, hey, uh, I'm going to change a lot of the mechanics about how I'm running. Maybe I should take it slightly easy. Nope, nope, nope. I'm an idiot and didn't use common sense, and I paid for it for like a couple of weeks. So yeah, and I and I am all about going full in on stuff and yeah. and overdoing it. But it's just like to me, this whole idea that you know, oh, I bought these these five fingers and they didn't, you know, I got hurt. And they said I was gonna, you know, become a super athlete, and I'm gonna exactly. get, and I'm gonna get fifty bucks from them. To me, it's like, like I and I, we mentioned this at the top of the show, but I'm going to try and I don't know how through Twitter or through the website or through Instagram something to try to get some of that money, like get a settlement. You know, I think it's like they'll range from like twenty to fifty dollar deals, and I don't think you even have to have a receipt or anything. It's just gonna be you fill out a thing and they send you the money. And I'm gonna, <laughs> wow. yeah, so I'm gonna get mine, my fifty or whatever it is, and just. As soon as I get it, just cast a check and then send Vibram a fifty dollar check. Just get it back, give it back to him because I think uh, you know that'll be my small, my little protest of I don't think this is, a, 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 I don't know, like I understand like from a legal perspective, like you look at the their marketing and all that, like yeah, okay, it makes sense. Yeah, you get burned with coffee that's too hot and it's who's liable for that and all that, but it's just like such a litigious society now that no one like takes responsibility for their own behaviors and actions and so anyway 
have some common sense on stuff and, and you know, look both ways before you cross the street, wear your seatbelt, wear a helmet if you're on a, a motorcycle, that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think the that's a very good example. The looking both ways before you cross the street, I could very easily see someone like, well, I was wearing your Vibram five fingers that told me they were going to make me way more healthy, and I crossed the street and got run over by a bus. That's not very healthy. Where's and my I was money? wearing your shoes when yeah. it happened. There's the, the McDonald's hot coffee story you probably never see. There's actually a very, very, very complicated story with that. I watched a documentary about it. Oh, really? And it's not quite as simple as lady buys coffee, lady burns leg with coffee. Yeah. There's a whole long backstory to it. And, that, and I'm sure I, there I, is. I do, I do agree too. that you're right, though, absolutely, that when you buy a product, you have to understand, like, you know, Air Jordans aren't going to make you be able to dunk a basketball that day. Uh, That's you know, true. Uh, I tried that. You know, you have to use some common sense when you're buying some of these products and when you're applying them and when you're doing things in your life. You have to, you know, Occam's razor, it, it, the simplest yeah, explanation yeah. is often the most plausible. That's like, good, is the guiding reference. force of my life just about? <laughs> and so you have to apply that. You're not going to be able to, put, to buy any kind of shoe and then uh, be able to run like a cheetah or, you know, do an ultra marathon the next day. You have to use some common sense right. with some of this stuff. Cool. All right. Well, are we forget anything? We want to mention one more time the humans being human open. Email the show, simplehumanlifestyle at gmail.com. If you have a story that you would like to share on the show, the only requirements, I guess, is having a story and a Skype account. And being a human. And being a human. So no if dogs or cats. Sky, if we get an email from a dog, I'm sorry, sir. We or, are not allowing a talk, the talking dog to be on our show. No robots as well. You have to also, be no uh, a human. Um, just again, like to thank everybody for listening. We know there's a lot of options out there. Just even just in the podcast world, but let alone talk about radio and TV and newspaper and magazines and the internet and everything that's going on out there. Thanks for checking out the Simply Human Lifestyle website, Facebook page, and listening to the show. Getting a lot of good feedback, and hopefully we're uh, we're able to to reach some folks. So if you had any feedback for the show, you want us to cover certain topics, you want to uh, you want us to do other things, uh, please let us know, and we. We'll do it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. All right, Rick. Thank you for doing this. I, I don't say that enough, by the way, on the show. Thank you for your time uh, and, uh, and and making the show what it is. I really appreciate you. Well, it's because I love you, Mark. And in all seriousness, I, I don't really love you. I, I like you a lot. You do. But like, uh, you know, this, this, this way of, of things has changed my life for the better. And I, that's, I, you know, I don't make any money off of it. I just enjoy helping people try to be as human as they can. It's, cool. it's definitely an impact. So thank you. Yeah, thank well, you, Mark well, Rogers. When, when, I make, when I make tens of dollars doing this, I will give you some tens ones of dollars <laughs> one <laughs> all right find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com there are pages there the simply human kids page the simply human moms page there's a food for thought tab all sorts of stuff at the simplyhumanlifestyle.com email the show simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com you can email rick simplyhumanrick at gmail.com follow me on twitter instagram at simplyhuman 52 so uh, again thank you coming up next time it's episode 33 with uh, renowned strength coach will fleming out of bloomington indiana he uh, his picture is hanging up in my garage i'll explain that next show pretty Uh, creepy yes very creepy Uh, (laughs) his picture is hanging up in my bathroom Uh, (laughs) and so we'll talk to will fleming and then the next show i believe we're going to be talking to will's wife ashley who has uh, a very cool blog and, and does a lot of other cool stuff. She also spoke of Paleo Effects. So, and the Fleming's coming up. Uh, other things that on the horizon, Sarah Fragoso is going to be on the show. And as of this airing... Everyday, everyday Paleo. Yes, yes. And I'm actually guest hosting uh, the Paleo Lifestyle Fitness Podcast uh, yet yesterday's show that came out uh, should, unless something crazy happens, but uh, the, the show's come out the 20th and 27th and that first Tuesday in June. I will be guest hosting with Jason Side. So that's going to be pretty Sweet. cool. Yeah. So check that out, and I'll link to that in the notes as well. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember... So until next time, enjoy yourself.